the Woodside Church Podcast. just want to briefly, for those of you who don't know David, I know many of us know David very well, but David is one of the leaders, one of the elders here. Uh, but David also serves apostolically across many parts of the world. And uh, it's such a blessing to have him as part of our church family. He has been for many years. He's such a, a big part of of, of our family, uh, and every so often we get a chance to hear God's word preached from David. So we're thrilled to have you here today. So please come and share with us. Let's welcome David, shall we? Yeah, it's great to be back here again. It's many weeks now since we've actually managed to be here because we've been. Uh, uh, serving churches elsewhere, um, but I've also been blessed by whoever puts the programme together of preaching from one of the hardest passages in the in the Bible. <laughs> Somehow, now I don't understand why they do this, but uh, we've actually in our series on David. We've gone right through now into 2 Samuel, but then one chapter was left out. (laughs) And so we're having to go back in time before David was crowned king to look at this chapter. Now, having said that, one of the good things about going through, as we do, not every time, but as we do from time to time, going through a book in the Bible, is that it causes you to teach on scriptures that you wouldn't otherwise do. Because, you know, even preachers sometimes have their favourite scriptures that they love to preach about. (laughs) And so it's very, very good for us to speak from scriptures that aren't often taught. So, here goes. Because we're going to look at what the title of this talk is, The Strange Story of the witch at Endor. Okay. <laughs> now, you've probably never been to Endor. If you did, had, you wouldn't know there was a witch there. But what is this in the Bible for? Why are we looking, and, and why, therefore, are we looking at it? Well, we're looking at it because it's in the Bible. Uh, so that's fairly simple. And so we're going back to that particular story. And we're returning to see, therefore, what King Saul did the day before he and his sons lost their lives in the battle against the Philistines. It concerns a spiritualist medium who claimed to be able to communicate with dead people. Now, let me just say, first of all, there is such a thing as the spirit world, which some cultures are more aware of than others. Materialistic cultures tend to neglect God and neglect the spirit world. (laughs) And so everything is explained so-called naturally. Other cultures are very aware of it, and it's very present in their lives. And it's certainly very present in the Bible. Jesus 
often cast evil spirits out of people. And it's, it's there very clearly. It's in the book of Acts. That when people got saved, often it says with screams, demons left many people. And I just, a couple of recent experiences from our traveling recently in a place and uh, they asked me to pray for a teenage girl who had been saved in the last, a few weeks before but her family who weren't believers obviously in Jesus had regularly taken her to a witch doctor for curing of, the, of a particular sickness that she had. And they'd kept going back. And, even, and she said, since she came to Christ, therefore, she'd had a splitting headache nearly all the time. Could hardly sleep with it, and so on. So they just asked me to pray with her. And it was fairly simple. We just prayed and broke the power of what her parents were doing to her in the name of Jesus, because his name is more powerful. And I was privileged to be at the same church the next Sunday. And she came up, gave her testimony, and had had no pain at all. And the whole look of her was totally different. You understand? Because she was... She'd, now, I'm not saying this to say anything about myself, because we can all do this. You know, that's what part, one of the promises to the promises of, to the followers of Jesus. But the trouble is, many cultures are unaware of it. And then, in that particular church, I'd, all, I'd all, not quite forgotten about it, but I don't remember the detail, but I'd been there 20 years before, and a number of people who are now leaders in the church had um, just been saved when I was there before. And it was a multicultural church. Um, and, but they were leaders in the church now. But when I, while I was there... 20 years ago, I did a stronghold seminar where we saw lots and lots of people set free. And quite a number of these leaders testified while I was there, some privately, some publicly, to the fact that at that time, 20 years before, was when they got free of the demonic stuff that they'd been raised in and were now able to serve God. But they said something very interesting to me as well. I mean, that was wonderful. But they said, some of the white folk in the church, when we first came to Christ, didn't understand and thought because we'd come out of this background of demonic power, that we were sort of, they said, this is their words, that 
they'd been criticised for attention-seeking because they hadn't yet been set free and needed to be set free. And it was a terrible thing to say. But they said, when you came and talked on that, that made everybody realise that this is real. And therefore, they said, it gave us dignity because of our background as well as setting us free from our background. Do you understand? Because yeah. we need to do that. We need to make sure that we respect and give dignity to every culture. And though some cultures are not so much in touch openly with occultism, actually, secretly, there are many demonic holes which are behind a lot of the things that happen. It's just that it's not as obvious, but it's just as real and just as much there because every culture gets infected by these, this demonic activity. Okay? So, I actually remembered when I was then, when they'd said all this, that... You know, Jesus told a story, don't take the speck out of your brother's eye when you have, it's, it's, it's a sort of almost a cartoon story. Don't take the tiny speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a great big plank of wood in your eye. Okay, you can imagine it as a cartoon, that story. Because they exaggerate in order to show truth. And Jesus used that in that particular story. So I said, okay, I'm going to set people free and deal with the specks in their eye. So I must make sure the plank that's in my eye from my culture is also clearly dealt with in that conference. Do you understand? So I did my first session, which they wondered, is this relevant? Soon found it was. But my first session was on all the, all the strongholds in British culture. So I did a whole section on that because I wanted to show that this is everywhere. And I also wanted to apply that scripture. And so, um, and they were a culture that had suffered under colonialism so I actually talked about that, the evil empire spirit, which I'll talk, come back to later, which also lies behind many things, and they suffered under it, and were still suffering as a result of it long term. So I made sure that I dealt with that as well, you understand? Because, anyway, let's get back to the Witch of Endor, shall we? Okay, <laughs> but it was important to look at these things by way of introduction. Um, yeah, no, I, I will go on a bit longer introduction. Because evil powers work at a macro level as well. Ephesians in the New Testament and Daniel in the Old Testament teach about spiritual powers at work behind a lot of the problems of the world. So, um, Ephesians chapter 6 says... We don't fight with flesh and blood. 
In other words, when we see a problem with someone, we focus it on them. Paul says, don't do that. You fight against principalities and powers. You you fight against the evil powers that are behind that. And you love the people, you know, even over enemies. Jesus said, you love your enemies, but you deal with the evil powers that may be at work. So it works at a macro level. And uh, although human leaders are responsible and those that are leading in terrible ways at the moment will answer to God for that, for their cruelty or whatever, Daniel writes about the evil empires which often dominate the world or large parts of it. He goes through a history of prophetically because only one empire was around at the time but he talks about the future ones to come as well and uh, therefore um, we understand and that's why prayer is so important so next week praying for the constant situation of our, in our world is important because these spiritual powers are behind it though the leaders who are sinning are responsible for what they do and as I say we'll answer to God for it but I wanted to say all that by way of introduction because it's important that we understand all this to look at a a biblical worldview of a scripture like the one we're going to read okay so let's read it okay so it comes from uh 1 Samuel 28. About that time, the Philistines mustered their armies for another war with Israel. Meanwhile, Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him. Samuel being the prophet that uh, really was a spiritual force for good in the nation. All Israel had mourned for him. He was buried in Ramah, his hometown. And Saul had banned from the land of Israel all mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. So Saul, that, was a good, that was a commendation of Saul. The Philistines set up their camp at Shunem. And Saul gathered all the army of Israel and camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the vast Philistine army, he became frantic with fear. He asked the Lord what he should do, but the Lord refused to answer him, either by dreams or by sacred lots, I'll explain that in a moment, or by the prophets. Saul then said to his advisers, find a woman who is a medium so I can go and ask her what to do. His advisor replied, there's a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself by wearing ordinary clothing instead of his royal robes. Then he went to the woman's home at night, accompanied um, by two of his men. I have to talk to a man who has died, he said. Will you call up his spirit for me? You trying to get me killed, the woman demanded. You know that Saul, of course she didn't know she was speaking to Saul. You know that Saul has outlawed all the mediums and all who consult the spirits of the dead. Why are you setting a trap for me? But Saul took an oath in the name of the Lord and promised, as surely as the Lord lives, nothing bad will happen to you for doing this. Finally, the woman said, well, whose spirit do you want me to call up? Call up Samuel, Saul replied. 
When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed, You've deceived me. You're Saul. Don't be afraid, the king told her. What do you see? I see a god coming up out of the earth, she said. What does he look like, Saul asked. He's an old man wrapped in a robe, she replied. Saul realized it was Samuel and fell to the ground before him. Why have you disturbed me by calling me back, Samuel asked Saul. Because I'm in deep trouble, Saul replied. The Philistines are at war with me, and God has left me and won't reply by prophets or dreams, so I have called for you to tell me what to do. But Samuel replied, why ask me, since the Lord has left you and has become your enemy? The Lord has done just as he said he would. He has torn the kingdom from you and given it to your rival, David. The Lord has done this today because you refuse to carry out his fierce anger against the Amalekites. What's more, the Lord will hand you and the army of Israel over to the Philistines tomorrow and you and your sons will be here with me. The Lord will bring down the entire army of Israel in defeat. Saul fell full length on the ground, paralysed with fright because of Samuel's words. He was also faint with hunger, for he'd eaten nothing all day and all night. When the woman saw how distraught she was, she said, Sir, I obeyed your command at the risk of my life. Now do what I say and let me give you a little something to eat so that you can regain your strength for the trip back. But Saul refused to eat anything. Then his advisers joined the woman in urging him to eat. So he finally yielded, got up from the ground and sat on the couch. The woman had been fattening a calf, so she hurried out and killed it. She took some flour, kneaded it into dough, and baked unleavened bread. You know, giving hospitality in those days was not a question of going to the, over, the 24-hour supermarket. Okay, you really had to work at it. She brought the meal to Saul and his advisors, and they ate it. Then they went out into the night. Okay, so what's the story here? Samuel had died, and he was the person that Saul leaned on for advice, though increasingly he had not taken that advice. Okay? He always wanted, he wanted the security of someone who would give him good advice, but he didn't take that advice. We can be like that sometimes. And actually, because... Samuel was bringing the word of the Lord to him. The Lord's felt presence had left Saul. What do I mean by that? You see, God is everywhere. You know, God is omnipresent is the theological term. God is everywhere. So you might say, well, God, God's around all the time. But then there's God's f- felt presence, which he... Uh, when he says, I am with you. That's different from being everywhere. And he had left Saul, so he would no longer say, I am with you. The Philistines had seen their opportunity. The champion, David, had left the Israelites and actually lived among the Philistines. The prophets whose prayers had often rescued Israel in battle had died. Saul looked increasingly weak and so they saw an opportunity. And the fact that the Philistine camp was at this place called Shunem meant they'd already taken lots of territory 
and the battle was now inevitable. Saul, in his earlier godly days, had banned those who engaged in the occult. Occult is contacting the spirit world in any way. In, a consort, consist, in, in accordance with what's the consistent word of God, both Old and New Testament. Saul had the Old Testament command not to consult the dead, not to consult occultism, not to consult spirits. Actually, the New Testament repeats that command. Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, one of the works of the flesh is sorcery. Revelation 21, verse 8, talks about witchcraft. Also, by the way, remember that Israel were the people of God at that time. With this, as with many issues, we need to keep the church free, but we don't sort of, we can't ban it outside the church. You know, often people try and use Old Testament Israel as a pattern for government today. No, it's not. Old, that's... Old Testament Israel is a pattern in terms, but changed by the new covenant for how the church lives. Don't think of the nation when you're thinking of Old Testament Israel. However, Saul was terrified and needed some word from God about the battle. Now, there were godly ways of hearing from God in the Old Testament. They didn't have the Holy Spirit with them all the time, like we do. But there were ways of hearing from God. There were prophets, but Samuel had died. And Saul, although he had been for a while, was no longer associated with Samuel's prophetic school as he had been temporarily and rather reluctantly before. At one point, he arrived where all these groups of prophets were and the Spirit of God came on Saul and he began to prophesy. And so people said almost as a joke, what, is Saul among the prophets? But he was for a while. There were no priests available. Now, one way you heard from God in the Old Testament was by prophets. Another way was by priests using what's called, forgive me, but it's in the Bible, the Urim and Thummim, or the sacred lots. And uh, it's not a way we use now. The last time it was used was before the Spirit came at Pentecost. But they used to use these things and could find out the will of God by, I don't know how they did it, but by these two things they use, a little like dice, you know. Okay, so the book of Proverbs said, the lot falls in the lap, but the outcome is with the Lord. Okay, that's not an excuse for gambling, but it's just how they used to hear God in those days when they didn't have the Holy Spirit with them and they didn't have the full Bible. Okay? And God was no longer speaking to him in dreams. That's another way God sometimes speaks. Some of you will hear God in dreams. So what to do? How could he find out what's going to happen in the battle if there's no prophets, there's no sacred lots, God's not speaking in dreams, there's not much you can do about that. So what to do? 
And so he said to his men, where could he consult a spiritualist medium who would get in touch with the dead? Or the witch doctor or the shaman? Now, interestingly, even though they were banned, his advisors knew where they were. <laughs> and they said, well, there's one near here. Okay. In Endor. And... You know, it's the problem with the law. People find a way around it. <laughs> okay, that's why the grace of God at work in our life and the power of the Spirit is more effective than the law. <laughs> because people find, found their way around it. And so Saul disguised himself so the Philistines wouldn't recognise him because he had to walk close to their camp to get to Endor. And the woman would not do anything if she knew it was Saul because he'd banned them. And then, ironically, he swore by the Lord who he'd disobeyed that no harm would come to her. Now, it's interesting. When Samuel actually appeared, listen, the woman screamed shocked. Why did she do that? She'd been asked to call him up. He came. Why did she scream shocked? Well, the reason is that when people consult these, the dead, so-called, actually, I believe what appears are demons imitating the dead. Understand? Because it's consulting with the spirit world. And the medium was totally shocked that Samuel actually appeared that God on this occasion allowed Samuel to come. And it says he's described as a God, which can also mean a judge or an authority figure. It's a small, in English, a small g. Samuel appeared wearing his prophetic cloak, which actually Samuel had once, sorry, Saul had once torn and he said that tearing of that was a, a prophetic sign of Saul's downfall as kings, as king. And the, Samuel said, why have you disturbed my rest? Could I just say? Again, this wasn't understood in the Old Testament. But for all those who have faith in God and believe in Jesus Christ now, when we die, we rest with Christ, awaiting the future resurrection. Okay. Our final hope is not what happens immediately after we die. That's resting with Christ, which is wonderful. Paul says it's far better. But we're waiting the future resurrection of our bodies. I'll just throw that in. Samuel gave the final judgment. Saul, you have abandoned and disobeyed God. The kingdom's torn from you. The battle will end in defeat and you and your sons will die. By the way, Saul had reigned a long time. He was an old man now. It says Saul was 30 years old, it says in, earlier in the book, when he became king and he reigned for 42 years. So Saul was 72 at this time. Still a relatively young man, you understand. But, uh, 
But I'm not sure. Yeah, it wouldn't have been much fun leading the battle, leading out the battle in your 70s. Anyone else in their 70s that can relate to that? Wouldn't have been much fun. But anyway, uh, that's that's the situation here. And Saul was now even more terrified, fell to the ground with fear and hunger. And ironically, the woman prepared a royal meal for him in the middle of the night, which she and Saul's servants persuaded him to eat. Okay, well, that's the story. It's all right, my teaching won't be that long because most of my teaching has been done in the story. (laughs) But firstly, don't ever get involved with occultism. And make sure that people who have are set free from it. And that's what we should be doing as a church. There's an evil spiritual world of demons, witchcraft, idol worship, mediums, star signs, Ouija boards. People seeking guidance from the wrong source. In many parts of the world people can follow examples of traditional religion mixed with Christianity. By the way we can all do this. We can all mix the truth of the gospel with patterns of life of our culture. And if we are doing that, then repent. Okay. There's now something coming, particularly in America, called Christian nationalism, which is horrible and is actually identifying the gospel with a particular culture. That's just as ungodly as as consulting these mediums. Okay. So, you know, we need to set people free from these things. I remember very early in the days of this church, I came, someone came to be prayed for, not in the church actually, from outside the church, we knew somebody in the church. And they'd been to a seance and the the, the date of their death was given, and that was just a few weeks away. Okay. So, we prayed. I don't know whatever happened to him long term. I do know that he survived that particular date because the curse was broken. But we should be doing this to set people free from these things. Now, One of the books I often consult when preparing my preaching is the African Bible Commentary because there are now theologians all over the world who bring a different perspective from Western theologians and I respect that and want to learn from it. So I often read the African Bible Commentary. I just heard the other day, Mohan, that there's an Asian Bible Commentary out as well. So I'm going to have to get that. Have you got that? Okay, (laughs) so I'll need to look at that one as well, see what that has to say. Um, But I haven't got it yet. But the African Bible Commentary says this, whilst it's easy to understand how nominal Christians can cling to this deep-seated belief in witchcraft, it is disturbing and it's widespread amongst Christians too. Christian rituals are sometimes seen as little more than a form of protection against witchcraft. Thus mothers cover the beds of their children with the blood of Jesus, not literally of course, to ward off witches and evil spirits before putting them to bed. It's also poured on roads to ward off witches who cause accidents. 
You see, we can, we can adopt Christian language in every culture. That's what I'm trying to hope, hope you can get the impression. In every culture, we can, we can use Christian language to actually live according to the superstitions or other things in our culture. Whereas actually the Bible would say, no, no, we are free from that, therefore use uh, language appropriately. And he goes on to say, in the face of suffering, it's vital that believers understand that God is sovereign. If witchcraft has power, it is far surpassed by the power of God. The cross has disarmed demonic forces and stripped them of their power. The Christian does not live as though there are no evil spirits and witches, but lives with the full conviction that the devil and his forces have been conquered. Amen? Amen? Amen. You got that? We need whatever culture we're in, we need that. Let's read that final sentence from the Christian. Is it still up there? Yeah. <coughs> Let's read it together. Okay, and get it into you. One, two, three. The Christian does not live as though no evil spirits. But it's the conviction that the devil and his forces have been conquered. Amen? By the way, it was not visiting the medium that caused Saul to be infected with an evil spirit. That happened when he disobeyed God and sought to kill David in a jealous rage. Okay? It wasn't that Saul got an evil spirit because he visited a, witch, a witch doc, uh, witchcraft, which he, he had an evil spirit, therefore he went to a witch. You understand? That happened early on. So from that time on, it says, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul. God had allowed that to come because of, David, of Saul's jealousy. And he began to rave in his house like a madman. And David had to come and play the harp to calm him down. Saul was desperate in the chapter we are reading today. Let desperation cause you to renew your faith in God, not try and work your own way through by other methods, demonic or human. Got that? Sometimes we can resort to, uh, rather than trusting in God when things go wrong, we can, we can try and work it all out ourselves or we can consult others in a wrong way or follow the world's wisdom. Let's trust in God. Second thing we learn, it's possible for us to start well but tragically end in sin. Saul started well as a leader. He was humble. He was seeking God. He credited God with the victories. He was among the prophets. It can happen to leaders and to all of us. Not just through these dramatic means like Saul, but giving up through discouragement, leading to cynicism. And sadly, all over the world, some of us are more conscious of it because we live in the West, of it in the West, high profile leaders like Saul to fall. At that point, 
we say it happened in the Bible, but we give ourselves to the truth of Scripture because our faith does not stand on leaders. Our faith stands on the word of God. But for all of us, and particularly for those with any degree of leadership, the Bible says, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. When you really think, yeah, I'm really doing well now, watch it. (laughs) Okay? If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. And then the writer goes on, it's not up there on the screen, but the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Okay, we're all tempted, but actually God will always provide a way through. Trust him for that. Third thing we learn, repent and be restored early, don't leave it. Saul disobeyed God progressively. This was the end of the downward progress. But he had many times before to repent. He was insanely jealous of David, as we've said, when the women of Israel sang of David's victories. He rejected the advice of Samuel and his own son, Jonathan, Even when David showed grace to Saul twice, Saul's jealousy overtook him again. Okay. And another commentator said this, Saul had wanted to savour the authority and power associated with the kingship and therefore had asserted himself rather than accept the total domination of the prophet who was bringing the word of God. He did not realise that there is in all valid human leadership the need to be subject to a higher authority, ultimately that of God himself, and that that is a relief rather than the humiliation. You understand? I'm so glad. I'm accountable for what I do, but I'm not accountable for what happens because I'm under the authority of God. Do you understand? And I always want to be accountable to others and watch it. It says, those who teach will be judged with greater judgment. That's tough for everyone who teaches. It says, don't lots of you try to be teachers. I guess you've got the gift of teaching. Yes, we want you to teach. But remember this, we're accountable to someone else. Conclusion. This is the desperate end of a once humble and godly man. Let's not allow sinful attitudes and actions to develop over time. Trust in God, not superstition. Amen. This is the story, the strange story, which got left out. And now (laughs) I've had the... (laughs) I've had the opportunity of preaching to you. Uh, I hope it helps you understand what's an unusual scripture 
because it's important that we teach the whole word of God. Let's pray. Can we stand together? Father, in Jesus' name, we declare your authority in the name of Jesus over all the powers of darkness. Thank you, Lord. Jesus has destroyed all the powers of darkness when he rose from the dead, having defeated the powers of the cross. Lord, we realise we're still living in a world where these things operate, even though we're not under their authority as believers. Lord, I pray whether it's at a macro level, which we'll perhaps pray about next week in terms of evil empires today, or whether it's the micro level of things that superstitious practices or other things from our culture that we follow. Lord, I pray, set us free from them. Lord, we ask and help us to walk free and trust solely in you. Lord, I pray, help us to help one another in this. Lord, I pray for anyone who, uh, from whatever culture, who's dabbled in occultism, oh God, I pray, let that have no hold over them right now. By the way, if you have, just not now publicly, but just share it with someone and just get them to pray that you'd be set free completely from it. Okay, if you've, before you were saved, you went to uh, whatever, seances or whatever, just ask someone to pray and you'll, for you to be set free from it. Just do that. Father, I pray, let us walk clear of all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.